Casio MP520 versus the full set of drums. Snare, rim shot, bass, cymbals, bongos. Casio has it all. Casio keyboards, they're the ones to beat. Hey y'all, this is Spun Counter Guy. Thanks for stopping by. This is another edition of Songs from a 1980s Roller Rink Dumpster, the podcast where we try to highlight songs that either have been forgotten on a lot of 80s retro radio or weren't given adequate credence the first time around. Back with me on this episode is my friend DJ Mindeb. He helped me start doing these podcasts back on In the Corner Back by the Woodpile episode 33. And without any more hesitation, let's get to digging through the dumpster. Well, since... uh... We seem to always stick with the synthesizer realm of things. Recently came across a band that I'd never heard of before, or at least I didn't know that I had heard of them. But when I ended up hearing their, I guess, biggest single, it was certainly familiar, and I like always wanted to know who this band was. And only just recently did I find their little mini album that they put out, and uh, which, of course, has that... Big huge song on it called Secrets. But the song that I really love off of that album is called Blue Emotion. The name of the band is Fiat Lux, F-I-A-T-L-U-X. That's a synth band name if I ever heard one. Oh, and if you saw the photo of the band, they are the quintessential new romantics with their makeup and their spiky, blow-dried hair. Very much uh, fits that image. And their music sounds exactly how you would expect, right. <laughs> which for me is great. But they actually got their start back in, I guess, 82? They were all in school, acting school, and they met Bill Nelson, and he was kind of a prog super guitarist who is best known for his band called Bebop Deluxe, and they put out a series of albums all kind of named after different guitar models and whatnot, but... um... Bill Nelson took a interest in him and produced their first EP. And actually, Bill's brother Ian ended up joining the band like a little bit later. And he played with them until, unfortunately, he passed away not too long ago, I guess. They're still together? Well, the remaining members of the band, they actually got together last year in 2017 because it was the 35th anniversary. Now that we're all old... <laughs> All the bands that we listen to are all having 30th and 35th anniversaries. Mm-hmm. So they decided to get back together and they did a re-recording of Secrets. You've been reading my diary. You have taken my heart away. Now you know me inside out. You know my secrets. 
there's actually some great video online of them recreating the sessions and how they got some of the original sounds and things like that and the the vocals and everything sound just the same so uh they've aged well uh sonically anyway i don't know about uh visually but <laughs> you can check the video out and decide for yourself the name of the ep or, or mini album if you want to call it it's called hired history and uh, that came out in 1984 but like i said this song blue emotion is just fantastic First band I want to talk about is a group called New Music. The race is on for just how long? And that is misspelled, so the C is replaced with a K. No, they probably don't think it's misspelled since they felt they wanted to spell it that way. Maybe we are misspelled. Well, okay, <laughs> that's probably true, and I'm kind of glad they misspelled it because had they had it like the normal spelling in trying to do a search on the internet it would have been impossible well somehow i don't think they had any foresight into knowing how much the internet would be all right driving force in our daily lives back when they were a band they're like hey we should misspell our name so that people can find us easier online nonetheless it does stick out a little bit and that's sure. probably good so and i think my dad has mentioned this to talk about names on the internet that he's it does engineering and whenever he's looking for a search on maybe an epoxy or, or some kind of a part he said more times than not this band called that <laughs> whatever he's looking for so anyway that's uh off the subject but so the group uh, they're from london how i discovered them uh, which should say is up in evansville indiana a place called books and music exchange i know it well a shopping center where the ross used to be if, if you've ever known anybody from evansville area there was a theater there that had a lot of bands come through there. But anyway, back to new music. I found a single there at that store before they closed. And the song was called, They All Run After the Carving Knife. And that was my introduction to new music. And they are pretty great i think the album that i can vouch for is called anywhere which has this particular track on it because i went and got the album after i dug this track and this one is very synth based and uh just full of a lot of melodies i don't know it's just instantly likable They have three albums, and what I understand anywhere was their second, and it was the one where they really started to ramp up the use of synthesizers. And, and I think it came out, I want to say 81 or 82. Their lineup is interesting because uh, I'd never heard of them until I found that record. But come to find out, we've all heard of them in some way. So, for example, Tony Hibbert is a bass player. He, he ended up playing for Bruce Coburn on the Humans record, which was kind of a big record for Bruce Coburn. Rumors, glory, glory. 
Ant. Cockburn. Coburn is French, sir. But if you want to have your little fantasy, that's fine. <laughs> Tony Mansfield, who was the singer and the keyboardist, he was pretty big because he actually played with Naked Eyes, Captain Sensible, Aha, B-52s, and After the Fire, who have been on this 80s dumpster program before. The drummer, Phil Towner, he also played for the Buggles. You may have heard of them. They had that very first song on MTV. Oh, yes. And as far as their career goes, they got a big career booster when Frank Zappa was asked to be a guest DJ on BBC, and uh, he ended up playing uh, some of their music. Then they ended up on Top of the Pops, and they played their song, Straight Lines. One of their songs called Living by Numbers was used by the Casio company for their TV ads. Not for their keyboards, but for their digital calculators. The tagline for the commercial, they use a line from the song, which was, Such a digital lifetime. Some marketing exec got paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> right. Guys, I got this great idea. I heard this song. And it's about calculators. They could have used Kraftwerk instead. Uh, that's right, pocket calculator, yeah. Well, anyway, the only other thing that's kind of notable about them is they, they played with Elvis Costello, I think, on one of his tours or some of his gigs. And I would say that highlights for this record, Anywhere record, besides the, the track we've already played, the song called Churches. And I think it's probably one of my favorite apocalyptic dance numbers, at least on my list. I don't know about yours. But. You have a big list of apocalyptic <laughs> dance numbers? Right. As far as apocalyptic dance numbers go, it's up there. And that's all I got. Well, that's pretty cool when Frank Zappa thinks that you're cool enough to play on his guest radio slot on the BBC. Yeah, considering, uh, I think early on in Zappa's career, he played the bicycle on the Steve Allen show, I think. Similar to the Aphex Twin playing a sheet of sandpaper at one of his DJ gigs. Wow. Yeah, they've always kind of said that old Aphex is the Frank Zappa of electronic music. So anyway, I would check out new music if you really yearn for that early 80s synthy sounds, like if you like Depeche Mode or Camouflage, maybe some Pet Shop Boys. They're not as saccharine as those guys necessarily. They're a little more moodier. Definitely sounds like a synth super group with yeah. all the different bands that those guys have played with. What do you got for me now? Well, you know things don't change much around here, so uh, some more synth music for you. And I couldn't really decide on my favorite song from this particular band, because uh, everything they do is fantastic. And uh, they're not as well known here in the U.S., of course, never really had a hit. If they had a hit, it was more in the Italo disco kind of realm. It was definitely more of a club anthem. Nothing really on the charts. The artist is the Twins. For many years we have tried to create a machine. Now here it is, the Passion Factory. Oh yeah. 
You yeah. love those guys. I do. Everything is fantastic. I wish you had been born the third twin. Maybe that's what that's what my uh, my synth pop band will be called, the third twin. <laughs> Actually, I like that. You like it better than my idea? What'd you call it? Ray Dong Chong's Cave Girl Hyena Laugh. Uh, well, that's a pretty obscure reference, <laughs> considering there's no dialogue in that entire movie. But she laughs. It's obnoxious, but it's adorable. <laughs> well, I do like the third twin. Okay, well, I'm, I may have to use that. Actually. Can we name the first record? Ray Don Chung's Hyena there we go. Cave okay. Girl Laugh. Okay. The third twin is the name of the artist. My angle here is if we make a some kind of tribute to her, maybe she'll start returning my fan letters. Uh, you're probably on a blacklist somewhere. <laughs> there is a thing called stalking these days. I, I'm on a list? Cool. <laughs> Not a guest list. <laughs> It's a guest list for easy entry into the uh, jail cell. Um, anyway. But anyway, the twins, uh, there's two cuts of theirs that I absolutely love. One's called The Passion Factory. I believe that you bought that for me, and it's got a really cool cover of a girl kind of tangled up in headphone wires. Yeah, don't get me thinking about it, because I might have to excuse myself. <laughs> it's a very gorgeous, sexy, uh, synth, heavenly cover. So yeah, I did buy that for you, because friends buy friends great records. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to buy that for you. And then also their their cut that was more of the Italo hit was face to face, heart to heart. So those are the two cuts. Like I said, I can't decide which one I like better because they're both fantastic. The twins, they're kind of a weird story because they're a German synth group. I guess they started in 1980 and they're actually not twins. Really? I knew that was coming. Oh. Yeah, they're not actually twins. But it does feature the uh, one of the founding members. He, he was a guitarist and drummer for a kind of late 70s weird prog German band called Mythos. M-Y-T-H-O-S. And uh, interesting story with them is uh, when they first got started, I guess it was probably late 60s, actually, like 69. So they formed and they called themselves the Lovely People. And they kind of did some recording and whatnot. But then when they did their first gig, their first live show, they changed their name to Kraftwerk. I've heard of them. Not the one you're thinking of. Really? They didn't realize there was another band using that name. You're kidding. No. <laughs> so they showed up and did a show as Kraftwerk, not knowing that there was another band named Kraftwerk. Wow. So then they had to change it to Mythos. What does Kraftwerk mean? I don't know if I've ever looked it up. Huh. Maybe we should do that. It's one of those band names you just, you just hear and you internalize and you say all the time, but you don't actually 
It's one of those words that maybe I don't. What wanna... does craft work mean? It's one of those words that maybe I don't want to know what it means. Because honestly, like one of my favorite bands. Okay, I found this. <laughs> you didn't find crap, Siri. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm arguing with my phone. Uh, it's one of my favorite bands. Their name actually is not very nice. Really? Uh, well, if you look up what Joy Division actually was, well, it was Nazi a Nazi German? thing. Yeah. But I think it was in order to keep the race white, these were, I think, specifically chosen women uh, that could yeah. service. Dang. I think. Wow. Yeah. So it's unfortunate that such a great band that I love and, you know, respect is named after such a awful thing. Huh. So maybe I don't want to know what craft work means. We'll be happy in our ignorance. Yes. But anyway, these guys, the twins that aren't twins, they were in a band that <laughs> decided to call themselves craft work, yeah. not knowing there was an actual craft work. So then they moved and found another name and the name of that band was Joy Division. <laughs> couldn't find it was also taken. <laughs> They just keep striking out. <laughs> so they decided, well, nobody's called themselves the Twins yet, so let's yeah. call ourselves the Twins. Uh, then they said, well, no one's called themselves Radon Chong's Hyena Cave Girl Laugh. <laughs> no one would do anything that stupid. <laughs> hey! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, so the, what name did they fall upon? <laughs> well, anyway, so they ended up calling themselves Mythos, and it's it's real, like, acid, kraut rock, uh-huh. you know, it's from Germany kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, around that time, synthesizers were you know, becoming more prevalent and, and they were on their, their way up. So Ronnie Schrezinger, I guess is how you pronounce his name. He's the drummer and guitarist in the band and he started getting into synths and he formed the band, the twins. And so the first cut that I was referencing the passion factory, which is the title of the same album, uh, that came out in 1981 and a lot of people will listen to it and call it a straight up Gary Newman ripoff. Which would be true, because Gary Newman's Pleasure Principle came out in 1979. Mm-hmm. So here we are two years later, and this song comes out, and it always gets mistaken for Gary Newman. They're like, is this Gary Newman? <laughs> Didn't like, Janet Jackson have a song called Pleasure Principle? He did. She did, yes. It's not the same song? No. Okay. It's not a cover. Okay. <laughs> I'm a mild Gary Newman fan, so I don't know Pleasure Principle, but I know Janet's. Yeah, imagine Janet Jackson covering Gary Newman. That would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, no. So Passion Factory is amazing. But then the other cut that I couldn't, that, you know, is one of my favorites I couldn't decide on is uh, Face to Face, Heart to Heart. That came out in 1982 off of their second album, which is called Modern Lifestyle. And it's an absolute Italo disco anthem. Are they still together? Yes. Yeah, they are still together. They did kind of a reunion show at some festival, maybe in 2011. They haven't put out really any new music. There's been some reissues and some greatest hits collections. I don't think they've officially disbanded or called it quits, but they're not exactly doing anything that I have heard of. I would love to hear new music from them. Mm -hmm. I could only imagine what kind of uh, soundscapes they could come up with with today's technology. Mm-hmm. 
unearthed any other treasures you'd like to share with us? Yeah, this is not going to be a synth heavy. And this is going to be more in the pop realm. But another guy that I found his record up at the Book of Music Exchange, a British fellow by the name of Chaz Jankel or Jankel. Yeah, I don't I, know. Your guess is as good as mine. Right. I've definitely seen his records and heard his music, but I've never heard anybody pronounce his name. <laughs> well, I guess if he had a hit, it would be a song called I Know Karita. I believe it's a Japanese translation called Bullfight of Love. I'm a little confused about this exactly, but there's a Japanese film, and I want to say it's called In the Realm of the Senses or something like that. It's basically an art pornography film. I remember not knowing that and trying to watch it. I was in China at the time and I just found it at like a, some bootleg uh, table out in, a, in an alley. And, and it wasn't all questionable movies. It was just, uh, you know, all these different films from wherever. And I watched it and I think after I saw like the third old man's old man, we shall say, <laughs> I think I was done. But anyway, I'm not sure if he, maybe he liked the film a lot and so, so he wrote the song called I Know Karita. of a early 80s disco-y hit. It's like right at the beginning of the 80s. Chaz has more of a history with uh, Ian Dury and the Blockheads. That's where he, I guess, got a start. Because of that, and I don't think he ever quite stopped playing with those guys. In fact, I think they still play together. Well, up until Ian passed away. Right. I mean, they played together, I think, like a couple days before. Oh, and well. I guess Ian's condition had deteriorated quite a bit and ended up passing a few days later oh, dang. after their last show. But I guess he just went out on his own a few times and made uh, a few solo records. In fact, most of the Blockheads are on the records in some shape or fashion. Uh, he had a song called Number One that was featured in the movie Real Genius. Number one is a hard time Interestingly enough, his sister, Annabelle Jenkel, is one of the co-creators of Max Headroom. Talk mm -hmm. about some 80s pedigree. That's some nostalgia there. <laughs> right. Uh, his son is a DJ over in England called Shift K3Y. K3Y? I think it's Shift Key. Oh. The three is E. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, take two. His son is called Shift K... <laughs> sorry. His son is called Shift Key. say probably besides I Know Karita another one of my favorite songs which is off of his Looking at You record is called Little Eva That's about all I got as far as information on Mr. Jankel. Do you know anything about him? 
I really don't. Uh, and like I said, I know I've got a few records he played in the Blockheads. There's plenty to explore. I, I I don't think I've ever heard the Blockheads. If I have, I'm not aware of it. I may have a couple copies of his albums for sale in my Discog store, which you can find at. Just kidding. <laughs> you can plug it. I don't care. I'm not gonna plug my Discog store on here. That's okay. But if you want to know, feel free to go ahead and email us, and we'll send you a link. Okay. It's mine, though, by the way. What's your last offering? Well, as usual, you know what to expect, right? Ukuleles. No. But not synthesizers. Really? Really? Man, you're slippery. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but definitely more in the uh, new wave post-punk world this time. Throwing a little curveball. Gotta keep the fans guessing. That's right. You gotta keep them coming back. They never know what I'm gonna do. So anyway, this cut, it's by a relatively obscure band that uh, actually was formed in the Netherlands that sound 100% British. <laughs> my mom said I should never show people my Netherlands. Well, I don't recommend it. Okay. But the uh, band is called The Essence. Formed by one guy, his name is Hans Nihar, Nihar, okay. not sure exactly how you pronounce it, probably 85, when their first single came out, which uh, that's titled Endless Lakes. The song that I personally like is their second single, and it's called The Cat. Both songs are actually on their album called Purity. As many times as I play it for people, everybody will come up and say, what Cure album is this on? Oh. It's not actually on a Cure album because it's a band called The Essence. It's a straight up, complete, total ripoff. So they clearly heard The Cure? Well, they would have had to because, I mean, The Cure's been around since the late 70s and here were, you know, right. they came out in 85. I mean, almost to the point where his, his vocals are carbon copy almost. Like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the whiny, scratchy kind of Robert Smith nuances everything in it but i mean even the guitars sound the same the, the the bass is is mixed very similar a lot of the same effects like played the way simon would have played it like you know a lot of people kind of frown on bands that are obvious products of their influences right however when their influences are bands as great as the cure well, yeah we had this conversation i think yesterday if you're really jonesing for like another record by, and we actually mentioned this in another another podcast, Depeche Mode, for example, and it's going to take them another year or two to put one out, 
you know, there's camouflage. Sure. Which, and, oh, and even though they are no doubt a homage or some might say a ripoff, but it's more of the same and it's more of what I love. Sure, exactly. And, it, and that's the thing. I think when you, you know, when you find a genre or sound that you, that you like, I mean, mm -hmm. there's, you know, the, the world is not that huge to the point where everything has to be 100% original. I mean, well, you know, people are always going to be influenced by the same things and, right. and you know, that's going to come out in your sound. It's just, just the way it is look at all art i mean right. don't they say <laughs> every artist is a thief right <laughs> oh well i don't know but bono mentions it in the on the fly exactly oh. every poet is a cannibal every artist is a thief meaning everybody rips off everybody that's true nothing's original anymore well and you know the the band that most people think is like the greatest band ever the beatles you know initially they were trying to be the crickets Yes, one but, insect to another. Yes, and so and you can hear the influence, but well, they dress just like them on the Ed Sullivan show. Right. I mean, they looked exactly like the crickets. Right. But obviously, they went on to have their own sound and time. And uh, well, they did, but I'm sure that was heavily influenced by the people they chose to work with. You know, well, probably so. We could get into a huge discussion about George Martin. Right. Everybody's heard the Beatles. Yeah. But you haven't heard the Essence. <laughs> I mean, the Cure. I mean. <laughs> But honestly, it's it's just beautiful. It's one album that I don't actually own. I don't have. I just heard it a million times and managed to listen to it online. And and but I don't own a CD. I don't own a, a vinyl copy either. Because the vinyl copy, the cheapest one I think I've seen is between a hundred and two hundred bucks. Bang. The CD's a, a little bit more uh, reasonable, especially after it got reissued. But original copies of the CD go for. Sixty, seventy dollars, you know. So, you yeah, see it, grab it. Yeah, for sure. It's just one of those smaller, lesser-known bands that are really great. The whole reason we do this series of podcasts—that's true—is to dig it stuff out of the dumpster and put it back on top. Exactly. You know, when we one of us makes our million, we'll be able to build that roller skate rink and Can't play wait. all this stuff. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> it may just be me and you there. <laughs> That's okay. We got a million dollars. We don't need to do anything That's else. That's right. You DJ, I'll roll around in the circle. <laughs> uh, Who are you going to couple skate with? Well, Does your wife get on roller skates? Yeah, and she tolerates my choice of music. I think tolerates is the key word. Right. I, I was telling you this, but I haven't told the our, our uh, three fans this. But uh, one of my wife's... Hi, hi, and Hi. <laughs> One of my wife's friends came over, we were playing cards all night, and I had my mixes going, like, you know, some 80s mixes or something, which, in case you need any mixes, you can go on Mixcloud and look up Spun Counter Guy. But anyway... Plug. In any event, her friend, who is a very nice lady, pretty country, and I think after, like, hour four of playing cards and all this music was playing, she said, well, Tim, I haven't recognized a single song this entire night. <laughs> and you said... That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> right. A lot of people don't think that way. It's something that I've had to come to grips with. That because, like, I like to hear new music all the time. It, sure. It's. I feel like that's how you grow, and it, I'm just addicted to it. In fact, I get a little irritated, or not irritated, but just kind of like I start to feel kind of down if it's the same song I've heard a jillion times, you know, all the time. But not everybody thinks that way. So. Yep. Just the story of your DJ career, I guess. Yeah, unfortunately. That's what leads you to play songs like I Miss You by Climax. <laughs> People have heard that one, right? They have, just not in 20 years. All right, well, I'm bringing it back, buddy. Bringing it back. Yeah. 
Um, Tim's climax. <laughs> uh, for the folks listening, we uh, it's not as gross as it sounds. We were playing at a a gig at a pizza joint last night, and I, to be fair, maybe it was every two or three songs you had never heard, and then one song you had heard. Yeah, of course we had to we had to throw them some bones. Right, you can't lose your street cred either. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot was, of people there worth impressing. All right, there was a guy in the corner making notes on his clipboard about our cred. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, that set does exist, so maybe we'll end up uploading it one day. The next one I got is more. Just really one album that I want to feature. And, uh, of course, everybody knows this guy's name. and he, So he's not obscure, necessarily. He's not obscure, but the album that I want to talk about is more obscure. And probably you don't hear on the play it on the radio very often. And it's uh, Quincy Jones, and the album's called The Dude, from 1981. I mean, first of all, uh, in case you don't know who Quincy Jones is, he's had a long career in jazz first. Even back in 1956, he was playing on an orchestra for one of the TV shows. And so he ended up playing trumpet for Elvis on one of his appearances. In the late 60s and in the 70s, he started to kind of cross over in some of the kind of funky jazz stuff. Uh, he wrote the song, the theme song for Sanford and Son. <laughs> wrote a, a kind of quirky jazz song called uh, Soul Bossa Nova, which most people know as the, the theme song for Austin Powers. He produced a big hit for James Ingram, uh, Yama Be There. song i don't think so yeah it's one of, i've never heard on the radio either but a lot of people seem to know it and, and i think because it's kind of a religious song in fact i think uh michael mcdonald is on it on this song as well but it got played at some churches even like i heard one story about someone at their catholic church during communion they would play it you know to kind of appeal to the kids a little bit so he produced sinatra and then a lot of pop stuff in the 80s in, in the 70s he also what's that one guy's name oh he was in that band with all his brothers ha 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 i'm getting there he also produced a daughter named rashida and one other just incidental thing before we get to the album in spite of his total dislike for donald trump he actually dated ivanka for a while what yeah quincy jones dated ivanka that's what i understand the daughter yeah pretty Who's young the mother ivana and the daughter's Ivanka. Uh-huh. Ivanka's Dude, a pretty... Dude, so. he dated her? Yeah. Apparently. Man, way to go, Quincy. My man! <laughs> I can't imagine what the the age gap... Maybe she just wanted to talk to him about his work on this album, The Dude, <laughs> that I'm struggling to get to. So, anyway, the, the Dude... 
I'm sorry, uh, Mindo was showing me a picture of Rashida. I don't mean to go on too much about her. I mean, she, she's not worth leaving my wife over. I'm just saying she's pretty. Of course. Her. Okay, so the dude. It did have a few hits, more on the R&B charts. Uh, all the hits off this album, if, if there was any, were sang by James Ingram. He did the song Just Once. Just once Can we figure out What we keep doing wrong Why we never last for very long What are we doing wrong Which, I've never seen this film, but apparently it plays a big part in the movie Last American Virgin. And then another hit he had was uh, 100 Ways. Compliment what she does. Send her roses just because. If it's violin she loves, let them play. But then what's, what's kind of cool about this album is there's another song that should sound familiar to you. It's a little song called I Know Corita. Which is a cover of the Chaz Jankel song, which had come out, I think, less than a year before the dude had come out, so, somewhere in that time period. Obviously, you were alluding to the fact that he is more known as anything as the producer of Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. That's his name. Yeah. I couldn't remember. And also Thriller and also Bad. Now, a funny thing about that, when I was working at the... I will go ahead and say it now, The Great Escape. I keep calling it The Grand Getaway in previous episodes, <laughs> but now that the, his changed ownership... The cat is out of the bag. Yeah, the, now the ownership has changed. Yeah, and we like the new owner. Oh, yeah, so we're going to give it a plug. If you're ever in Nashville, Tennessee, or Bowling Green, or Louisville, you should check out, uh, or Madison, Tennessee, you should check out The Great Escape. That's a cool little record shop, comic book shop. Anyway, working at a record store, inevitably you get this little system of if somebody is looking for, someone says, well, I like, you know, so-and-so. What else is out there like that? So there was this guy that he said he didn't own that many albums, and his favorite album of all time was Thriller. I said, well, have you heard Thriller Part 2? I got myself in trouble by saying that because he's like, what? I was like, well, you know, Quincy Jones, before Thriller came out, put this other record out called The Dude. And I said, it's similar. I said, you can see where Thriller kind of came from. And I know this is argued quite a bit, like about how much was Quincy Jones, the talent behind Thriller, and how much of it was Michael Jackson. Because when they parted ways... You know, Michael never did ever repeat that greatness. But then again, neither did Quincy, I don't think. You know, he, he put out some other records, like these kind of all-star records, and they're okay, but they're n nothing like Thriller or, or Off the Wall. So, he got in trouble because the guy bought it, the dude, and he came back almost like the very next day, and uh, he didn't think it even compared so oh so he apparently he didn't share the same yeah it's an exaggeration to say it's thriller part two because well one it came before thriller two it's not near as great a record as thriller there's more songs and some are a little more on the filler side i guess but it's still a nice footnote to off the wall and thriller you can't 
Going back to Quincy Jones's version of I Know Corita, the vocals are done by some guy I've never heard of called Dune, or otherwise known as Charles May, but Patty Austin is also the female that sings on that. Another point of interest of the dude, and eventually I want to do a whole segment on this guy, but Rod Temperton, who was a big part of Thriller. He worked with George Benson and a whole bunch of other people, like just monster hits that he wrote. He wrote Thriller, in fact. But he wrote a lot of the songs, or co-wrote a lot of the songs on The Dude, including the title track, The Dude. And MJ helps out a little bit on this album, and he helps sing with James Ingram on the song The Dude. Wonder contributed the song Bet You Wouldn't Hurt Me. And the dude has been sampled at least by a couple respective artists that we know. Uh, MF Doom, for example, and Jodeci. So, it's worth checking out. I guess you could say it's Thriller Part 2. Is that what you called it? That's what I said. I, I really think I should have said it was a Thriller Part Fetus. or the Precursor a, to Thriller? The less successful older sister of Thriller. Sounds good. Isn't your sister younger and pretty hot? <laughs> it's true. I was the less successful half-baked sibling in my family. And uh, both my sisters, I have two sisters that are younger than me, and they both look a lot better than me. So there you go. So there's your example. Thank you. <laughs> Which everybody can relate to. Well, hey, thanks for coming by your own house <laughs> and recording a podcast. I'm glad I could come downstairs. Right. And... Uh, if anybody has any comments, of course, my niece will tell you what email to, to write us. But if you want to vote on what our synth band should be, either the third twin or Radon Chong's hyena cowgirl or... Uh, See, <laughs> you got to pick a name that you can actually say. You've had trouble saying it uh, every time. Yeah. So you, they just uh, I've, I've just always heard your band name should roll off the tongue. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, Radon's Chong does not work. <laughs> In the Corner, Black Brother of the Woodpile is produced by a closet, a pocket, and a suitcase. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for Spun Counter Guy. You can send us an email via SpunCounterGuy at Hotmail.com. The podcast is also hosted on iTunes and Podbean.com. Peace and chicken grease! Books and music, ex- books and music, books and music ex- exchanged. Can I buy a vowel?